0: Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boeing. We cook because we have to,
1: and we grill because we want to.
2: Hit me. Fine, how is wrong? We have a great show of a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the, in the crackle.
0: It's all about the Charbonneau, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet before we nerd. Oh, listen, Libertius,
1: shake your face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach (laughs) seeds.
0: We have top men working on it right now. (laughs) Top. And just like that, we are into the second hour. It is the Barbecue Central Show, where we talk about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. This show originates from...
2: Palm City, USA, Cleveland.
0: Still to come on the show this evening, 2023 Barbecue Central Show's guest Hall of Famer, Ed Moore the origin story of Fast Eddie. We say good evening to those of you watching tonight through one of our video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook, Twitch, not Twitch, Facebook and X tonight. Actually, somebody uh, jaunt on over to the X and make sure that the live feed is up and then report back in the instant chat. It should be. Let's just make sure. Why not? So Facebook and X currently, that's slash or at BBQ Central Show, depending on the platform you're going to watch at. You can also watch over on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. We have a YouTube poll question of the week, which has been going back and forth at a feverish pitch. I'm asking everybody the bigger ongoing news story of 2023, Memphis in May or KCBS scoring issues. And currently, 53% of you are saying it's Memphis in May. So, while the majority of the first hour saw KCBS scoring issues taking the lead in that respect, Memphis in May has made a big swing, especially after we got done with the Malcolm and Heath uh, Heath Hall, Heath Ryle segment. And you know what? Please, I beg of you. Save the emails about how good Malcolm sounded and how Heath sounded like he was in a room. Next time, we'll sound check. I promise he had the microphone there. It was all working before, but I'm not going to... I know that time was ill-budgeted, and I had a lot of questions that I wanted to get through. And as it was, we had to run over a little bit, so I wasn't going to be messing around. Will I break my own rules from time to time? Yes. Why? Because I live in hypocrisy. That's what I do. That's me. Remember? I am a contradictor living in the state of hypocrisy. In the city of contradiction. That's me. Anyway, 53% saying Memphis and May. And that quickly started to roll back when we got done with Malcolm and Heath segment. So, yeah, let's see how that rolls. The rest be anxious to hear what Fast Eddie has to say about that. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, episode 311 taking you back to December 1st, 2009. Being featured this week is Barbecue Central Show's guest Hall of Famer and the original creator of Barbecue Pitmasters' series, John Marcus. We're going back now, 2009. In this segment, we are actually going back to when Pitmasters, Barbecue Pitmasters, which, by the way, I said like two or three weeks ago that that's a show that you can still see on television. I just saw a commercial for it. Is it on True TV? Whatever the impractical jokers are on, I saw a commercial for it on that channel. Now, I don't know if they were promoing it because it's on that cable channel or not, if it was going to be somewhere else, and they were buying time on another station to promote it, whatever. The bottom line is this. Barbecue Pitmasters is going to be on this weekend, so it is still being shown. It is still popular. But we are going back to the time when Barbecue Pitmaster was, was being released for the very first time, December of 2009. And as I think about it, why in the sweet hell was a TV channel deciding to release a barbecue show in the middle of winter? So weird when you think about it. However, it didn't diminish the amount of buzz that was going around the industry back then how excited everyone was to have the industry exposed to the mass public. And really, this is the show that caused what I call the golden era of barbecue that I mention every so often on the show with John Marcus. And without this show, we have known of what we had in the past five. <laughs> without this show, we would not have known what we do in this last five to eight year stretch. Maybe ten years at this point. Because I think Pitmasters made it 11 seasons. I don't think that goes calendar years. I think sometimes depending on how a show actually shoots. You could have three seasons inside of a calendar year. However, that doesn't change the fact that 11 seasons of Barbecue Pitmasters in some form or fashion actually happen. So if you aren't familiar with John or you're not familiar with Barbecue Pitmasters. This is a great way to get acquainted with both. By the way, once again, Barbecue Pitmasters is going to be on television this coming weekend. I was going to say, still plays routinely on cable TV, but yeah, I mean, so routinely that it's going to be this coming weekend. I don't know why this coming weekend, but it is. Actually, when you come to think about it, what what are the odds of this time? It's the 5th now, the 7th, the 8th. So Saturday, if they start playing it Saturday, it will be the 14th year anniversary of when it was launched. Look at my math. Chad, I'm glad you tuned back into this show so you can see that my arithmetic skills are still second to none, (laughs) pal. I am sharp. Let me plus or minus a number. I can also times it and divisional all day long, twice on Sunday. You can subscribe to the show by visiting com slash subscribe, and by show I mean the best of show, but also replays of this show. And if you want to hear a past guest or segment again that you think has been lost in the archives, email john, J-O-N at com and let them know what you would like to hear. This particular piece of gold is something, where did I see it? Oh yeah, pull <laughs> you, you pulled, I got to go all the way down to my thing here. Now, you know, this guy, this is John Solberg right here. Let me make sure I get that out. I watched this video. I, I don't know a thousand times the other day, Passed it along to everybody I knew. I was like, this is insane. It's the best video. You know, it's a good video when you watch it the first time and you're like, wow. And then you watch it again. And then, like, the third and tenth time, you're laughing incredibly hard. But every time you're playing through it, and this video I'm about to show you is like 15 seconds long, tops. There's so many things going on, there's so much nuance. You can go back and listen to it like 700 times and you're picking out new things each and every time. I'm telling you, it's fantastic. If you didn't see it or I didn't share it with you on Instagram for whatever reason, don't be offended. Just take a a, a watch and listen to this. Let me make sure I got the sound off there. Got the sound on here. I apologize if it's coming in hot. Let me go down here. To uh, what number is this? 53. I'm going to pull down the sound a little bit, just a little bit, because what they say in this is key. Just ch- check this out.
2: I'm Be it. careful, please. Jesus.
0: All right. Now, look. If you're watching, you can follow along. Immediately, you see we got issues. If you're listening, number one, go back. This is something you're going to want to see on video replay, but I'm going to try and paint a picture for you. Here it is. What do we tell you not to do? Thanksgiving. Don't boil your fucking turkeys. Don't do it. It's dangerous. It's trouble. Disaster waiting to happen. You name it. It's very bad. Here's an instance, right off the bat, that you know things are a muck. And this is where the general public decides to take advantage of you, the proper human. And move ahead with their nonsense and shenanigans. What's the first thing you notice? People in the chat. What's the first thing you notice here? His pot of oil is already on fire. There's nothing in there except oil and it's on fire. And he's got a turkey hovering over it. Now, to me, that's a danger sign. I'm not putting that turkey in. I'm not going to do it. Nevertheless...
2: We'll now light it up.. Oh, oh, oh. Like fucking... <laughs> oh my God, the fire <laughs> you fucking I mean, it's, th- 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 I There's
0: I'm... nothing better. There's nothing better than that. You saw how quickly that video went, from "We're gonna have a good time" to "The house is burning down." Did you hear the lady in the background? She's praying? That nothing bad happens, number one. Then you hear the girl in the background when he starts to lower the turkey down into the oil. Light him up, up, up. And then what? Inside of two seconds, everybody's sprinting back into the house, which probably wasn't the best idea anyway because now that house is probably on fire. If you missed it, it's this again. I mean, look, it's already on fire. The oil is already on fire, but let's press ahead. He's much smarter than the average human.
2: That. Light him up.
0: She's laughing. Oh and now the whore. You ah. The lady swearing up I... and down. The one that was like, oh, be careful. Now she's F-bombing this. The kid that was singing Imagine Dragons or whatever the hell the song is. Quickly went from laughing to like gasping. One more time because I know you want to see it. Listen for everything that's happening here.
2: Jesus. That. Now i light it up oh, oh. <laughs> oh my god the fire you fucking <laughs> uh, every time i say I'm something you. about deep frying turkeys my comments fell up with they're not doing it right and i hate to tell you captain obvious you're correct
0: you're right john you are right wow i could play that thing for the rest of the show <laughs> let's all agree on this before we go to fast Eddy. Don't ever, don't do it, don't deep fry your turkeys, stupid. Number two, if you're going to do it anyway, all right, you're a grown person, you make your own decisions. If you fire up your cauldron of oil and it's on fire first, please don't continue ahead with dropping the turkey in the oil at that point. Like that's the visual cue for you to know you should not be putting anything in that. It's on fire. It shouldn't be on fire. But you go ahead and uh, as we say, you do you, boo. You drop that turkey in there. You show them who the boss is. That's right. Hope your house is good. Because as you were running away you pulled that whole thing over.
2: (laughs) It was on fire.
0: Now we have a Fireball of oil coming into the house.
2: Oh, the fire!
0: Listen up, gang. Sterling Ball over at Big Papa Smokers has something special just for you, listeners of the show. Whether you're a seasoned pitmaster or a grilling newbie, Big Papa Smokers your one-stop shop for all things barbecue. From their championship rubs, mouth-watering sauces, essential accessories. They've got what you need to take your food to the next level, whether you're on the competition circuit or in your in the backyard. Here's the cherry on top. Big Papa Smokers is offering the listeners of the Barbecue Central Show an exclusive deal, and you know what it is. Use the code REMPY at checkout. That's R-E-M as in Michael P as in Peter E. You'll get $10 off your next $50 purchase of rubs, sauces, or essential accessories. Imagine the possibilities. Let me paint a picture. Evaluate your ribs with Big Papa's sweet money. Add Big Papa's desert gold to your chicken, or better yet, pick up Big Papa's double secret. Add it to your steak. Winner. Head on over to BigPapaSmokers.com and start shopping today. And start now for the holiday season. Why? Because you can give the gift of deliciousness, and you can give yourself the gift of saving cash Because you can use promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E, at checkout and claim $10 off your next order of $50 or more. That means $50 is really $40. That means $100 is really $80. You can do the math. I know you can. what I tell you, Chad? I'm sharp. Promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E. At BigPapaSmokers.com, save $10 off your next order of $50 or more. Don't forget to check out Big Papa's full line of recipes at CookingWithBigPapa.com and follow them on social media, of course. We are back with the origin story of Fast Eddie. Stick around. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to The Barbecue Central Show. stern jim rome dan patrick and greg Rampey, the mountain rushmore of talk show entertainment now let's get back to the barbecue central show
0: all right welcome back this portion of the show being brought to you by pit barrel cooker the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet available in three sizes a host of accessories it doesn't matter if you're a beginner or a professional. It's a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. My next guest is one of the pellet cooker pioneers, creating the very popular FE line of cookers. What you might not know about him is he is an avid dirt race car driver. Pellets, fire, horsepower all make sense to me. He's been appearing on this show since it was in podcast-only form. How long ago was that? How about dating back to 2007, if you can believe it? And this October, he became one of the five past guests to be included in the 2023 Barbecue Central Show's Guest Hall of Fame. I couldn't be more excited to welcome back our pal, Fast Eddie. Eddie, before we get going here this evening, we have a YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking everybody. And it's this, and we'd love to get your answer on it. The bigger ongoing barbecue news story of 2023 is it Memphis in May or is it the KCBS scoring issue?
1: Wow, that is <laughs> that
0: o- only hard-hitting questions <laughs> here on the Barbecue Central show.
1: Well, those are the, you're hitting those two right on the head. Um, I'm going to I'm I'm going to pick the scoring issue.
2: Oh.
0: <phone rings> While That was in the early lead in hour number one. Memphis and May has steadily gained steam. They're currently in the lead with being the biggest story. Memphis and May at 55%, 45% saying KCBS and the associated scoring issues are the biggest story of 2023. And we'll see how that goes for the rest of the evening here. So... Congratulations on getting into the guest hall of fame. I guess before we get to know all about Eddie and doing the origin story thing, uh, is there any speech or any type of dissertation that you would like to give on how your life has changed over the last few weeks since making it into the Barbecue Central Show's guest hall of fame?
1: Wow, it's um, been a quite. It's quite an honor uh, to uh, get this in the beautiful ring. <laughs> that you sent is uh top notch i i don't have to carry brass knuckles anymore in my pocket for safety that's right i just wear my ring uh it's, it's it's a massive but uh no i you know to pioneer the podcast world like you did in barbecue um it's fantastic i remember doing the brisket round table and that was a big uh that was that was a real popular uh topic back in the day, and uh he had some great people on there and I was truly honored to be uh, uh you know been a guest in the early days and um, uh, congratulations on on all your success and keeping it going and improving it every year so um it's fantastic you you're setting a mark
0: that brisket round table, Eddie is still routinely one of the most downloaded shows. Over the history of the show, I mean, we're going on uh, 16 years of live shows, and then two years before that is podcast. When you did it, as you would mentioned, this was just the podcast at that point. It was you, it was Dr. Barbecue, who's also in the Guest Hall of Fame. It was Leanne Whippin, who made it into the Guest Hall of Fame last year. And then uh, Jim Minion, who I think, it's a travesty that his name has probably been lost in the annals of barbecue here, but talk about three, four of the biggest names in barbecue back at that time and still seem to be names of, of revelry as we talk about, you know, where barbecue has grown over the years. But man, uh, talk about, here's the thing I took away from the 2007. Everybody on that panel took a shit on Wagyu beef. And look where we are today, <laughs> Eddie.
1: <laughs> well, you're right. <laughs> uh, we just do. Uh, I think we were a lot poorer back then (laughs) than we are today. So maybe that made a difference.
0: All right, Eddie. So let's go ahead uh, and do the origin story of Ed Morin and let's start where everybody starts in the very beginning. When were you born? Where were you born?
1: I was born in uh, 1959 in Kansas city, Missouri. Um, This is my hometown. And, um, I come from a family of five kids and my dad, uh, made a living, uh, when he finally settled down and figured out what he was going to do in his life, which was right about the time I was born. Uh, he was a welder for, uh, Kenworth KW Dart truck company. Hmm. So, uh, my grandfather taught him how to do that. Uh, so it, it was, uh, kind of in my, you know, metalworking, he always had something around the house. So um, that 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 became a big part of my life too. We were too poor to buy stuff, so I had to learn how to build everything that I wanted, which was good. I mean that it, it was the heritage, you know, that helped me figure out what to do. As I was, you were, not, I was not good with books.
0: As you as you were growing up uh, before school and all that stuff, what do you remember family life being like for you, especially being you know five siblings? Um, <laughs>
1: it was rather lots of fun. I mean, there's always something going on. Um, my mom and dad told the story. I, when I was two, they had me a little pedal car and we had a big front porch on the house and I would go as fast as I could from one side of the porch to the other. So speed was in my life real early on. Um, and then it, it, it was, um, I wouldn't trade it for anything because we did everything we wanted to do, and and as far as playing with kids and riding bikes and and showing up when the back home when the the street lights came on. I mean, all that stuff that you hear out there, it's exactly how we grew up. It was it was it was a great time.
0: What kind of a relationship? We didn't have a lot of
1: money, but we didn't we didn't we didn't know we were poor, you know. So it just didn't matter.
0: What kind of a relationship do you have with your siblings growing up?
1: um not too bad um kind of rivalry with my brother because he was only two years younger than me um so he was always you know on my coattails doing stuff so if i was in scouts he was in scouts they try to move him up so we kind of did things together which was i you know i kind of like my own identity at times you know instead of having to uh like dragging the little brother around all the time but um, it was, in a, but then I had three sisters and I had two older sisters, um, which you're not able to, I would, didn't ever connect with them a, as well because they were quite a bit older than, I got my oldest sister is five years older than me and, and my other one's. she's three years older than me. So, or four, three to four, but, um, you know, just a hardworking Catholic family.
0: Your parents stay together?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've they've been together, de- and, and I'll tell you what. Every one of my siblings married, or uh, none of them have ever divorced. Neither. I just huh. uh, turned forty-four years in marriage this year. Wow. So um, that, that that's something to be said, you know, from our background.
0: What kind of a relationship do you recall having with your parents as you're growing up?
1: Uh, didn't get to see my dad a lot. He he worked two to three jobs. Wow. So if I seen him, it was on Sunday, you know, and then when I got in my early teens, I actually went to work with him on Saturday. He had, there was a, a guy that had a, a trailer business and he rented out diesel or big semi trailers and then they would do maintenance on them, you know, on Saturdays. And so I was kind of a yard grunt. I'd he go there and, and go around and, and check lights and thump tires and get water off of tarps. And, um, you know, that was my first learning. I think I was like 13 or 13 years old when I started doing that with my dad.
0: Do you like doing that because, you know, this is time that you're going to get to spend with your dad or are you bummed out that this is the only way you're going to be able to spend some time with your dad?
1: No, I, um, it, it was, um, it was, it was great to, to try to learn, you know, get some work ethic and understand what his life was about. Um, it was nice to get some pocket money, um, you know, knowing because they, they didn't have the money just to hand out to us, uh, when we wanted stuff. So it was, um, it was pretty cool to, um, you know, start developing that working relationship with people. And, um, I think that's, that was, that was huge in my life, you know, being able to, um, do those kinds of things. Um, cause I mean, I, today, even as of today, I still work all the time. I mean, I'm doing what I want to do when I want to do it, but I'm always doing something moving forward. You know, and I, I just totally enjoy it.
0: What's the food scene like at your house as you're growing up?
1: Oh boy, um, Fridays—you um, could just about bet you're going to have to eat salmon patties.
2: What, salmon patties? <laughs> <I'm like, laughs>
1: oh yeah, you know, fish for Fridays. You know, on the on the Catholics, oh, okay. and uh, it was like a steady a steady diet of salmon patties or fish sticks you know, back in the day Sundays were a lot of fried chicken on Sundays. You know, it was kind of the normal thing and you could feed a lot of people, you know, pretty reasonable. Uh, we never went out to eat much. Um, my dad, my grandfather helped my dad built a brick barbecue pit Mm -hmm. at our house. And, um, he uh was not real great with it but he did he did manage to cook some decent ribs you know it was a grilled rib and then of course burgers and stuff like that basically was it so it was always kind of a a spectacle when he fired up that brick cooker and and he made a stainless steel lid for it you know so that was pretty cool but um that was that was about the basis of it you know it was never we were never much in the culinary scene of things when you're just trying to feed five kids and you know
0: do you recall when he's lighting up that pit did that give you a spark or any inspiration at that young age that maybe you would be into live fire at any point
1: no not Hmm. at that time really it it was um it was kind of interesting to see it you know when he fired it up but we never did any kind of offset type cooking it was mostly grilling you know, is really what it was. We never really did any offset cooking until, um, the part of the story when he had a neighbor, a couple of doors up the street, uh, dad was known to be kind of the metal guy and a welder in the neighborhood and you know, or fix things and and kind of make things. And he would make basketball goals and things to make extra money for the, uh, household there. He was always doing something obviously. And, um, Anyway, the neighbor came down and, um, he wanted wanted a smoker built, And well, what's well, that, and he had a old camping trailer frame was with an axle and they had a 500 gallon, um, diesel tank. And then he wanted to build this offset kind of cooking thing. He was one of the original members of the Kansas City Barbecue Society Wow! and his name was Neil, Neil Van Hoosier was his, the name and, um, uh, so that's what the spark was. That was like 1985, 86, right in there is when that was.
0: Are you someone in high school that enjoyed those years? I loved them. Yeah. How were you I as mean, a student? I was
1: awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, but I, I i enjoyed the social aspect yeah. of it the friends that I had uh, I was a we had a my senior year I went to cop it was cooperative occupational education so I only went to school for three hours and the rest of the day I went to work mm. I was work at that time I was working at a service station and um, it was um, i they taught you in the CoE class they taught you real st- live things that you were gonna to have to do, like how to balance a checkbook. And um, you, you're actually, your supervisor at work would fill out some things, you know, um, questionnaire for them, you know, and, um, and, and that teacher, Don Robbins, I'm still friends with him to today. And um, it, he uh, definitely brought tears to my eyes the other day. Cause um, Don went to work for s- some companies, and I ended up making some parts for him, fabricating some stuff, and um, and then also got to you know talk to Don, and he was he was actually for a company I ended up getting into the food truck business, and uh, so I I was pretty deep in a lot of things way back before stuff started going. And uh, built a huge some tank stuff for him, and, and how they were doing some water systems, and um, anyway, Don uh, posted a thing up. He says one of the only students that taught me more than I taught him. Wow! And it just blew me away. You know, I mean, when you got it, when you got your one of your favorite teachers in school to say that about you it was pretty special to me.
0: As you finish up high school, are you looking to go to college, or are you just looking to go to work?
1: Oh no, I'm I'm not a college guy. No, uh, I was I was looking to go to to go make a living, and and um, I actually ended up going to work at. Uh, it was about three or four months after I graduated high school. Kenworth Truck Company used to didn't hire relatives, and they changed that policy. And I actually got hired at Kenworth Truck Company, down at the factory. And um, so then I uh, became a utility welder for Kenworth uh, after about a year. And and I went to some night classes besides what my dad taught me and got my certifications on things. And um, so, you know, I was following in the family footsteps of that kind of background. And, um, man, you talk about a fun job. I, I, it, we, I, we were pretty wild. I mean, you know, I had a hot rod pickup and, uh, I actually got married at, at age 20 and, uh, my wife was 19 at the time. Well, she was only 19 for uh, about another week before her birthday, but we got, we married extremely early and, um, uh, but life was a party and, Tons of fun, and um, it, it was basically, you know, staying sideways at 100 miles an hour. <laughs> That's what life was about.
0: So, your welding is. Was there any other job or career that you lusted after a little bit, uh, and and was able to attain, or did you just want to, you know, work to provide the lifestyle you wanted to lead?
1: Well. Yeah, I, I never, my goals just didn't, I didn't have these specific goals, you know, I mean, Kenworth moved out of town in 1983, they started having a reduction in uh, workforce. And, uh, so I started working at different shops. That was probably one of the best educations I had, because I learned how to do a whole variety of different things. I ended up working as a millwright for a while. Mm. That was a great education. Um, um, and everybody I worked for, I ended up becoming, um, pretty wanted. I mean, if I needed a job or something, or I'd leave a job, they'd always say, if you ever need employment, you called me first. Mm-hmm. And I always enjoyed that part of it. I enjoyed going to, I enjoyed making stuff. I enjoyed being productive. Um, I didn't cry the blues about things. I, I always attacked anything I went after and I felt like that having that, that mentality was always a good deal. And then that kind of drove me when I'm the, the, my wife's family, he's a Kansas City firefighter, my father in law was. And that's what, uh, and then where we, where I moved to, our second house we moved to, I moved across the street from a chief of the Kansas City Fire Department. And at that time, I was working for a, a tunneling company and I ended up being a supervisor for this tunneling company and doing road and tunnels. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, um, those guys, you know, that their attitude one day they're rich and the next day they're broke and they, you know, you, you need them. You had to call a certain bar to get them. Uh, you never knew what they were going to be like. And so I kind of got uh, fed up with them. And, uh, I said, you know what, I think I'll go down and apply to the fire department. I said that at least I'll have a, a pension at the end of it. And I can make up the difference because I've made a lot of money. And I said, I can, I can make up the difference on my days off. So that's what got me to go to the Kansas City Fire Department, get on there. I was 28 years old when I got on the fire department, kind of almost too old, 30 is all the age they would take you to.
0: How long so, do you stay a firefighter?
1: In my 20th year, I ended up in my second back surgery mm. and that's when they, uh, pensioned me off. Um, they, and I'm kind of bummed out about how, how they did it. But, uh, they said they, I went and did a, after my second surgery, I went through work hardening and, um, actually went back. They put me back to duty for two weeks and then I got a phone call from my BC and he said, Hey, you, I got to put you back off on light duty. You didn't pass your, all your tests. And there was one segment of my test that was very, very close to being susceptible. Everything you have to do weight wise as a firefighter minimum is a hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. So this test, they test you out at it's, it's about four hours long and they make you do all kinds of stuff. And it was a knuckle overhead lift that got me where, um, that pain shot down my foot from my first surgery and buckled my leg when I was going overhead with this crate milk crate that had these tubes of shot in it mm. to set up on a shelf. And, um, I don't know how much was in it, but anyway, so they send me it to a pension doctor and she uh, says, gosh, this is so close. I, I don't see why you should, you know, shouldn't keep you know, working.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I waited for two weeks for her letter, you know, and I'll be darned if she said 180 degrees. She did 180 degrees from what she told me. <laughs> she hammered me. Oh. And um, so then they, they pinched me off. I was pretty PO'd and bent about it, but I wasn't going to go to the point of hiring a lawyer, you know, to stay on the job because the union wasn't doing it. And of course, all the union dues I paid, union wasn't doing anything for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, but I had barbecue going real well by that time too a lot of people, you know, why do you want to stay on that job? you got, you, you really got life going on. And I, well, it's, it's the culture of the fire department is at back in that day. Anyway, it was definitely something just loved it. I absolutely loved that job. And of course I'm an adrenaline junkie. I wouldn't be off road racing and I wouldn't have done everything I did in my life if I wasn't an adrenaline junkie. You know, and, and that I just love the idea of when that bell went off, you had no clue what you were going to be getting into. And we got into some pretty tight situations, you know? Um, and it, and my wife always says, she goes, you, uh, you just don't get excited about nothing. <laughs> well, when you've been there and done it and seen it and about <laughs> it, you know, dead on many different occasions and you don't come home and tell those stories, yeah. you know, to anybody it's, uh it's a it's a very special career. I loved it. I just loved it.
0: What was the most harrowing call that you can remember?
1: Who uh, probably uh, I was a battalion chief's aide for three years, and uh, it was on a Sunday, and you know we when people were off. D- we moved pe- people up in class and moved them around in, in different seats and stuff. And actually, my chief, that I was his aide, uh, he was off, and I had this uh, guy that was a captain on seventeen pumper. He was he he was riding out as the chief. And anyway, so we had a storm coming in town, and it's about a, right next, on a Sunday afternoon, and and we catch a, a regular alarm at a house. And I knew, you know, I knew this neighborhood like the back of my hand. And these are big three-story houses. And the 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 aerial truck they sent us had a non-working aerial. And uh, we pulled out of the station, starting to thunder and lightning like crazy. And I told John, I said, John, I said, we we need it, we need we need a working truck. I said, this is a, these are big ass houses where we're going. We need we need to get two truck rolling. And John didn't do it. He, he would not, anytime I suggested something to him, this guy, he, he just, well, first of all, I don't think he really liked my driving that much. <laughs> so I think he's just nervous as hell. Number one, hanging, hanging on for dear life too. And, and I'm yelling, I'm telling John, I said, you need, we need to get the deuce rolling. And, uh, so we get to this house and sure enough, we got fire coming out of this attic window. Mm. And so I, I'm putting my gear on and, and I yell at the guy that's driving the pump or he's a firefighter from 31s. And I, and I said, don't charge this line till I tell you, because I know you got these stairwells that are real tight on the sides of these houses. And I wanted to take a dry line up that stairwell. So here's a seven truck comes in. I got the captain and his firefighter on seven truck. I got the Mike Hodel who normally drives 32s. He's, He's, he's on the, he's on the hand line on 32s and his firefighter. And I'm, I'm right behind him and we get up to this top of this third floor. And I mean, it is freaking hot and you can't see a thing and I'm just enough below the smoke where I can, I didn't have to mask up and I can talk on the radio. And I am screaming at John on this radio. Um, don't, you know, I mean, we need, we need to get this truck real up. We got to get this, another truck in here and get this roof open. Well, Mm. and, and you get up on guys were, you know, trying to get a, we finally mustered up man mustered up enough to get up on his knees and poke a hole in the ceiling. And then we got in an argument about opening the lineup or not Mm. because we, you know, we're going to steam. We're going to have a ton of steam, come back down on us, but it was getting bad. So you had to make a choice. And, and so we even got hold talked into opening the lineup and, thank God the water went over in the room that was going and because the guys that got on the roof blew one of them blew their knee out, never got a hole in the roof. Um, I, I, I can go on and on and on. This story just gets (laughs) horrid and horrendously bad. I mean, I, have never been so close to a flashover in my life. Okay. And, um, I, I I actually, and my, my chief was off for a couple more work days and I finally had to get hold of him when he got back in town and I, I told him i said i will not work with john again i said i I'm, I'm done i i put me off i'm that man's dangerous mm. he did not do he didn't i tried to talk with him he didn't do anything i asked i said um i'm it was I, I really felt like we were we were going to be done in on that one there and we're a very aggressive department you know i mean we we we're a, real well-known for interior firefighting. And it's a lot of fun when it goes well. It sucks when it goes bad. <laughs> so that's part of that adrenaline thing, you know? Yeah. And those are stories you don't tell much when you get home. I didn't I didn't tell the wife that for a long time on that one.
0: When you accumulate so many of, of those stories, some worse, some not as bad, if you're not telling your wife, who are you? letting this out to to make sure that you don't go completely bonkers
1: well we we do it amongst ourselves in the station okay Um, that's where that kitchen table and those meals of uh, crew getting together is extremely important (laughs) Um, i actually had a, a, a tv crew rode with me that was doing a show I can't remember the name of it. It was smoke and fire or something. They were out of Canada and they actually rode with me. This is when I was, after I was a battalion chief state, I went up and drove seven truck. And, uh, so they, they spent a few hours with me on, on the job one day. And we actually had to run a, a construction death down on the Plaza. And so they, 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 they couldn't get over how we decompressed after a call. Okay. Cause we, we were sitting there eating lunch, eating burgers and fries. Okay. When the call came in and you just take a paper towel, cover your plate, you hit the rigs and you leave. So it's about 45 minutes or so for we come back and uh, we get back in the station and, and we're going back and we're slopping in ketchup and we're talking about this guy who is, his glasses was embedded in his head, his femur was busted laying on and and bone fragments on the sidewalk. I mean, it was just one nasty scene. He took a, he was on a elevated platform that drove off a parking garage and dropped four stories into a a alleyway. And uh, it was nasty and the pumper had to go back a a couple hours later and wash down after they got the scene, you know, all secured. And, um, but they couldn't get over how, we're sitting there talking about this and we didn't let them down there and film any of it. Mm. Uh, we made them leave their camera stuff. We, they did, we did escort them down to the scene. So they got a quick look at what we were dealing with, you know, after things were settled down. Um, but uh, so we're back eat- and they just couldn't get over how we were decompressing and talking about it. And, and uh, you know, it's amongst us mm. that understood, you know, and, um, that's the best way to decompress on, on, on these situations.
0: Eddie, tell me a love story. How do you and your wife meet and you know how quickly are you guys like, hey, let's let's get married?
1: Wow, that's that's <laughs> that's pretty interesting to say. Um, I was she was a year behind me in high school. Um, and so I knew who she was. Uh, and I was working at that service station, and she was actually dating a guy that was in my class, and um, she come by, and and um, so, I, you know, I never, I just, you know, kind of casual, hi, how you doing and stuff, but then we, we all went over to Kansas, because you could drink at 18 in Kansas, so, you know, Kansas City, Missouri is on the line of Kansas. So you had Kansas City, Kansas and and Overland park, and then you got the Missouri side. So we'd all run over to the Kansas side and then there was, you know, disco clubs and stuff like that over there. So went to POGOs over there on the, the Kansas side and run into her there at that place. And, and, uh, everybody, a lot of people we knew. And so, uh, we got to seeing each other and then we started dating and, um, I don't know. I think she was, um, it just kind of became, you know, six, eight months later, I thought, you know, this would be a great lifestyle, you know, and what a great girl. And seemed like her family and she had her head on fairly straight, you know? And so, um, and so we, of course, you know, we're Catholic, I am, and you have to go through those classes, you know? And, um, so, so this, we go through these class, these, these, uh, marriage classes. And uh, this priest that's there, Frank Tierney was his name, and he told us we weren't compatible. <laughs> 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 so 44 years later, <laughs> we're still not compatible yeah, like right. this.
0: Wow. What year, what yeah. year was what, like, what time frame are we looking at year wise?
1: That was
0: 1979.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was a different world, kind of back then, but we were we were party central at our house <laughs> for a while, you know, and and all my buddies and friends and I was hanging out at the dirt track and racing with them, and and um, I mean it, it was uh, like I said, it was it was quite a, quite an ordeal.
0: Is that where you get the nickname Fast Eddie through dirt track racing?
1: Uh no, more for on the streets. Um, <laughs> uh, my my my. my my buddy Dave Osborne hung that on me and, uh, and that I had this Chevy pickup that was pretty quick. And, uh, like I said, I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was a nuisance to humanity with that truck.
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, there was nothing I would do, you know, and I, I stayed out of, believe it or not, I hardly, I didn't get any tickets to speak of. I didn't get any tickets after I got on the fire department. And then they, they caught me running about 140, down the highway one Sunday morning. Wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: when do you have kids?
1: Um, it was th- about four years after we were married. Hmm. You know, it was um, it was like you know something was missing in our relationship, and um, we we figured out it was probably time to start having children. So we had a boy, and uh, Brandon's his name, and uh, he ruined it for everybody else because <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. <laughs> that kid was a handful, man.
0: Mm.
1: You know, uh, I get, there's more stories. I, I first said he was going to be about thirty before he really got what well, got it in life, and I was wrong. It was about thirty seven, <laughs> <laughs> but he's he's he just turned forty.
0: when you're now a parent and you look back at how your dad is parenting you, I would assume situations are a little different. What do you take from your dad? And then what did you have in your mind that if you were ever going to be a dad, like things that you would do different? Mm.
1: You know, that's a tough question because me and my dad don't, we we don't we don't get along okay i am going to we are we are on the outs oh and there's was that a long time um yeah it's been a long time yeah and it it happened over my son and um he was about 14 years old at 15 years old 14 or 15 at that time when all this uh shakeup happened and um So me and the family had a split over and it was over my parenting Mm -hmm. with my son. And he, he never had to deal with a a child that had, you know, to be on Ritalin and all kinds of medication and, and, and all those things. And, um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to rag on my dad here, you know, but, um, we just. I, I could, I, I really could do it, you know, sure. but um, it's not, it's not worth it, you know, and uh, but we're, we're oil and water between me and him.
0: Holding your son aside, then, as you look back at that, I mean, that's twenty six years, or, or you know, whatever it is. If that was you know fourteen, fifteen, you said he's just forty now, so you're looking at quarter century right. of that. Yeah. Is that right. um is that a a big regret of your life that somehow. You guys weren't able to, to patch it up, or he decided to, to take it a certain way that caused you to, to react the way you did.
1: Well, I spent I spent, gosh, close to a year trying to keep that relationship together mm-hmm. after we, we started having a problem. and it started affecting me uh, in my family. It started affecting me in my, my work um all that stuff. And I said, you know, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's, it's time for me to have to go on and um, turn the page on this. Otherwise I'll, I'm not going to let this affect my life. And um, to this day, um, I, I think I'm a thousand percent better for it. Um, the, the, there was some, cause I had already started my business, you know, at that time. And, um, and I actually, my brother tried to get in the middle of my business with another guy uh, that's, people know who he is in the barbecue community. And uh, Traeger's actually, their uh, lawyer had to write some letters and, um, you know, about uh, cease and desist about things. Mm. So it really got kind of ugly about it, and and we just uh, – we're not going to – I was doing things the way you should do them, and um, they were trying to skirt around some laws, mm. and, um, and it never patched – it just never patched things
2: up.
0: You're known for being the pellet guy. Where does barbecue even weave into your life, Eddie?
1: Uh, fire department was a big part of that. Okay. Cause when, about the time my dad, we built this smoker for this guy, um, that was about a year before I got on the fire department. And then I said, you know, I, that looked like fun. I think I can put, throw me one of those things together. Cause after we built this smoker, I watched him go test it with 50 slabs of ribs and they had a nice party. I'm going, that looked like a hell of a good time, you know? And, uh, and we were working in, in kitchens at the time in, in Kansas city we were doing a, a stainless steel k- and kitchen work i was working on my days off with my dad uh, at his with his business and shop and, and this is how i learned what how the commercial smokers were built because we were in and out of the, the restaurants and barbecue places and i worked on a bunch of jnr oilers not a lot of southern prides or old hickories i i had you know messed with them slightly but we were we worked on almost all the oilers in kansas city back in that day so that's where my experience came from, understanding how, and, and my passion for the commercial world was there. And of course, when I seen the pellet grill and, and I said, this solves all, this solves everything in, in barbecue and and anyway, that's why uh, Traeger's didn't know what to do with me because I was, I, I really wanted to be, I, I tried to mess around with the, the grills. They were freaking awful. I mean, they're just horrible.
0: Now, look, I think it's important now that we're at this stage of the Ed Morin origin story. Like when you say the Traegers, so you're talking about the actual Tragers, like the people that founded uh, the cut. This isn't the Traeger as we know it today, the corporate, publicly traded, blah blah blah. No, no, no.
1: This is the family. This is the, this is the, is the family. <laughs> yeah, this is the the the, the family. Uh, great people. Okay, I mean. They're, they're, as far as people goes, wonderful. They're very wonderful folks. um. But the equipment, I mean, I can't, when I, the first cooker I got to to play with, I mean, I caught it. It left it out in the rain. It got wet and clogged up the auger. It caught fire all the time. Um, the thing was, you know, the it had a, the pan, the drip pan was welded in it oh. and it, so there was no drip pan. It was a pan that had lava rock in it, okay, and that made a grease trap. And I mean, this thing—the the, the the way it was, it they tried to mimic a, a gas grill, is what they were trying to do. And uh, of course, that's not the way we cook here in Kansas City. You know, we we cook. I was you know already in competition barbecue. My first competition was with that neighbor I was talking about. We were under Dude's Barbecue, and that was in 1986. So now I'm in 1990. I'm four years later and, and in my life and understanding you know offset cooking and, and, and competition cooking and all. but I one thing I did understand that these pellet things are going to be something
0: hmm.
1: because it solved, it solved all the all the problems in solid fuel is what the pellets did. It's just the form this thing was in was hideous. And it needed, and of course, you know, remember I'm working on commercial stuff and I'm going, man, you know, and that's in 93, that's when I put together my OG FE 100 in, in 1993 myself. And so I'm cooking, I was, I'm, you're talking, I'm, I'm, I'm the bad guy in the neighborhood in Kansas city. I mean, nobody <laughs> liked me at all because I'm the, I'm cooking on these pellet things and people are hating the pellets. I mean, it's, it's. That was, you know, you think there's a love hate relationship out there. Now it was real bad back in the day. Mm-hmm. I was, I was a guy you don't want to go talk and associate with, and other cooks weren't very, very chummy with me. And you know, it was, it was an interesting time back in those days.
0: When do you make pit building a business? Or perhaps a, a better question would be, when are people starting to approach you? You're, you've already bought in. You knew that this was going to be. The way to go you're gonna to start to make whatever format the Traeger was into something that worked better for you but I would imagine you know you are on to something when people start to approach you and say Eddie make me one of these or how can I get a pellet cooker too
1: yeah that that was going on a lot uh, especially when you start winning a lot of stuff and uh, you got the one-off nobody else has um, uh, it uh it's i'm trying to think it was probably ninety i i bought my own first build i bought my building that i made my shop in 1997. i went and got a home equity loan and my dad was i was working with him on my days off but we you know he's driving me crazy because he was wanting to do smaller projects didn't want to do the any bigger stuff and uh i i I did. I was tired of sitting there going, going down there and sitting around looking at him, you know, it, some days it was busy. Some days you weren't. So he's great at doing repair. I want to, I wanted to manufacture things. And so I, uh, 97 when I bought my old fire station. And, um, then also, then I, then I was able to do the big stuff that shear truck company and nap hide and those people were wanting done. And, uh, Man, I tell you what, it was game on when I bought that building. I, I was I was going balls to the wall. Hmm. So it was it, but not in barbecue. Yeah, I was doing custom fabricating work. Okay, in '98 when I built the first cooker for sale, when I was you know getting pressured to to people wanting what I had, and uh, so it was 1998 when that when when that happened.
0: Is that the FE uh, cooker? It,
1: Yeah, it was, it was FE and I called it the 100 and it, reason why is because it was based on a Traeger 100. I used that as a base. Hmm. So I was, I had a friend who had, they were, they were a distributor for Traeger and I'd cut them up and um, remanufacture them. So I took a $500 grill and I made it into a (laughs) $2,700 cooker is what I did. That's I was like Carol Shelby was with Ford.
0: And weren't know, you so, and they didn't know what to do with me. You were paying you, know. you were paying Traeger a uh, uh, royalty too for every cooker too, right?
1: No, first I was buying pits. Okay. Mm. I was buying grills. And then after that, then I talked to Randy. I said, look, can you sell these to me with without all the paint and all the parts and on stuff I'm throwing away? <laughs> and well yeah i can do that you know i said that'll save me a whole lot of time and effort you know and so that went on for a little bit and uh then it was like well how about just a royalty you know Mm -hmm. and he said yeah we can do that too so then we worked on a royalty kind of thing and and, uh, instead of you know the other way it, it saved a whole bunch of shipping and making stuff from scratch too so it was an evolution in, in starting it, and how how it all went together, but learning learning all the attributes about it is it, it's still a learning process to today. I mean, the this you know just like this article, I still learning air about different things and the aspects of the pellet world, pellet cooking world, pellet equipment, how it's designed, what it does, airflow. I mean, you never ever ever. It's we're still not to where. We're great, but I, mean, I still think there's always we're, – we're getting ready – we're testing other industries with this now.
0: If you look back, I mentioned it in the first hour, the biggest names in competition barbecue were using the Effie Cooker, whether they wanted to admit it or not. I have Darren Worth on tape from a, a best moments of two weeks ago from back in 2009, I think it was where he said that he was using a pair of Weber Smoky Mountains and he had an Effie Cooker. This is what many consider to be the greatest competition cook, at least in KCBS, if not of, of all time, across all sanctioning bodies, saying that he had an Effie Cooker. Uh, maybe he doesn't use one now, but he he had one. Many folks had an Effie Cooker. When did you realize that the Effie Cooker was really going to start to take the world by storm?
1: 2000 probably when 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 my second year with cook shack in 2002 november 2002 cook shack started manufacturing for me
0: because it was too big of a project for you right like you wanted to get like into some serious yeah i was i was i
1: actually i I had some uh, job shops around town that were making parts and pieces for me Hmm. okay and so i was having stuff done out and um and, but my, my whole goal, remember my life's in commercial and listings. I want listings. I wanted to be UL listed. I want to be NSF listed. I wanted to be, I wanted to be a real player in the commercial industry. That was my whole direction. And, um, so, but I was needing manufacturing and, and, uh, had a mutual friend that knew Stuart Powell from cook shack. And, uh, he called Stuart for me and, and I took a cooker down to him. Now we'd seen each other at some trade shows. I mean, I was even at the point at that time I had big, you know, rotisseries I was doing myself and, um, and I would see these guys and I got to know them at, at trade shows. And so, um, we, he says, if you make a couple changes on it, we'll manufacture for you. Mm-hmm. And, and every month I was on a monthly build schedule and I was out selling what they were building and they and it he in in 2004 I got the phone call. Look, we want to get more involved with you. So I worked a marketing and manufacturing agreement with them, and we still have one to today.
0: Hmm.
1: And it's it's been a, it's been a been a wonderful marriage uh, between the two of us. Um, it's uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, and and I reason why I've I've been gone the last three days. We were doing rep training, and and I had reps from Europe and 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 South America and all down there we were we were doing training and um it's it's so much fun it's just it's just i'm having the time of my life actually
0: how have the cookers that you've created evolved over the last 15 years um it's
1: we're just now doing an upgrade on the rotisseries and um I think we've 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 developed some airflow that uh actually Southern Pride copied us. <laughs> Which is great. I mean, that's uh it's it's pretty cool when when your competitors um on our cabinet smoker and now we've integrating some of that airflow design into the rotisserie um and it's um and then it controls, you know, the, um, the fireboard guys were hooked up with um, burnt finger at the Royal. Yep. And you can go to their website and you can see they've got a, a tracker that they did on that, my FEC 500 when they were cooking for their party down there. And um, Megan tells me, says they couldn't get over how the overnight cook on that was a flat line. They'd never seen such a thing on an automated pit of hmm. being just a freaking flat line, no up or down till the doors were opened. And he said it was just a flat line and wow. they're, you know, they could, couldn't get over how, how, how that was. And, um, I, it's, you know, it's, it's fun to innovate and I just can't tell you. And I can't speak of what's coming down the pipe, but I, I'm really jonesing for our next step in, in what we're going to do. And pizza's great. I mean, I have a pizza unit too now. I love the pizza stuff. But I, I think we're getting ready to really make some change. And also too, we're, thank God, and we mean, you had this discussion a little bit, we're we're getting ready to do a whole lot more marketing. People don't even really realize who we are anymore. So we're, we're getting ready to make that change hopefully here. We're going to, going to do some stuff different
0: are you concerned or continually trying to effort at leaving a specific legacy
1: i'll let that handle itself i ain't concerned about i'll tell you what legacy i you know off-road racing i did this as a kid and uh going back to off-road racing uh for me was a personal very very personal Uh, i felt like that was part of my life in 1983 i had to Hang on the shelf, and because uh, I was good, I was very good at it. And um, man, when I went back at it in two thousand nine, and uh, you know, and getting getting my feet back under me with it, and then I've won a bu- i I've won a lot of stuff in off road racing uh, too, and I've done real well for a guy from the Midwest.
0: Are you more successful uh, at, and- at barbecue pit making or off road racing?
1: Uh, I'll definitely barbecue pit making the off-road off-road world's huge. I mean, you know, and it's, there's different segments of it. Um, I, I've, I've got to set in some of the top notch cars and got to drive some of them, but I, you know, that saying about when they, when you're going to bury, I want to go sliding in that box sideways. (laughs) Okay. I mean, that's that to me, that's that adrenaline junkie. I love, there's nothing there. It's hard to explain. It's a drug. Okay. It is, it is, it's the junk, junkie drug and I, I, I love it. So, but my body's not my buddy, my body's about done. Mm. So that's, I'm, I'm coming back and I'm going to start paying a whole lot more attention to the things in barbecue that I, I I'm so glad I got to go do that before I got too old. Okay. Um, it's, it's, a it's and, and you have to be self-funded to be able to do it too. It's not, there's, there's not money out there to come do it. Yeah. All these guys that I race against, a lot of them, they're all millions and some billionaires too. And I'm you're out there banging, you're banging wheels with big guys. Wow.
0: Do you have a race coming up?
1: Uh, I just entered the Nora 1000, uh, which will be coming up at the end of April. I've won that race twice in the challenger era. And, um, so i don't know exactly which vehicle or what we're going to run down there yet because i'm involved with a guy out of kansas City, bueller motorsports he's got a trophy truck he's got a new pre-runner i've got a new robbie gordon car supposed to show up any day uh, it's a speed utv um that is the top of the line utv that's out on the marketplace and um i may run it in the in the stock class uh, possibly so That's yet to be determined. But I did enter. um, It's a 1,300-mile race on six-day format.
0: Wow. Eddie, you have said it all. If you didn't know Ed Morin before, you've gotten the start to finish or the start to where we are now. Not a finish, of course, because he's obviously very active. going to be getting more into the barbecue side again. But wow. I, mean, I thought I knew a lot about you, but you've revealed a number of things here that uh, perhaps a, a lot of folks that know you maybe didn't know. So I appreciate your openness, your willingness to share. And and really, when a guest like you, an icon in the industry, is going to come in here and be completely vulnerable and talk about all the things that you did, this is what makes the origin stories of the Guest Hall of Fame members so popular to get such a real interview and get all this extra insight that people didn't know. So I appreciate you taking the time to do this tonight, but more importantly than that, since 2007, uh, you're really one of the oldest folks that continue to recur on the show and give takes on the industry. And it's been a true pleasure knowing you all these years and being able to stay in touch. Um, you know, I, I can't thank you enough. And, uh, I appreciate everything you've ever done for me in the show.
1: Well, well, I, that's man. That's, I really appreciate you saying that, Craig. And, um, I, I, you you know, the, you're, like I said, you you've set a mark out there for barbecue podcasts. That's for damn sure. And, um, and then I love your passion and keep it up. And, and, um, I'm, I look forward, you know, to have some more conversations with, because there's a whole lot of holes in that story, um, I gave you. But also, the when we our development stuff, I'll keep you abreast when we when we go to announce something you know, coming up, because um am I when I the new stuff I'm thinking about, we're working on, uh, even talking going through my mind, just sends chills up my back. What we possibly could do so and that's the way i used to be with in barbecue back when i was thinking about going being commercial before cook shack hooked up It just i used to keep me up at night thinking about what it would do to the industry hmm. and yeah you and know, what i think we can do to this other industry i think is 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 more could morph what we're doing today so i'm
0: looking forward to it you keep me in the loop we'll have you back on absolutely
1: all right thanks for everything greg all
0: right thanks eddie Take care. Fast Eddie right there, Legends. 2023 Barbecue Central Show's guest Hall of Famer. And if you didn't know anything about him, you know a lot more about him. And if you knew him cursorily, you certainly have a better understanding of where he came from, what he's been through, and how, of course, he's gotten to where he is today, both from a live fire sense, barbecue pit building and all that. Who knew he was such an accomplished racer? Yeah, how about that? Right, so we are over into the second hour, but no problems there. We're going to play a little catch-up here. Glad to see through the instant chat for the folks that hung with me tonight how much you enjoyed it, getting to know this. A lot of people being able to run a similar life experience as Eddie regaled us with here this evening. Before we go, we talk to you about Franklin's Barbecue Pit's What do you need to know about Franklin's Barbecue Pits? They're on sale or, as we say in the business, on promotion. Franklin has never had a sale, may never do it again. So get in on this action right now if you want to save $400 between now and three weeks from now, which is the end of the year. You go to the Franklin Barbecue website, franklinbbqpits.com or... You go to a certified Franklin Barbecue Pit dealer and you say, hook me up with the Barbecue Central Show promotion. I want 400 schmackers off that sexy iron and steel grill. Please, immediately, if not sooner. Again, $400 off if you go to franklinbbqpit.com, the website, or if you go to a certified dealer near you, doesn't matter online or in person $400 off primarily made of 5 and quarter inch thick American made steel anything that sees heat engineered to be incredibly solid and should last at least a hundred years or more if cared for properly the thickness of the steel guarantees professional grade heat retention which is critical component to making great barbecue all things that we know and of course these are made to be somewhat of a replica or a a new styling off of the legendary pits that he has in his restaurant. You get to see the patina, you get to see the way he wants the craftsmanship to be shown weld. get your own numbered nameplate, all that stuff. yeah. again, 400 bucks off. Does't get any better than that doesn't get any cheaper than that for a Franklin barbecue pit. As we near the end of the year, you only have between now and the end of the year to take advantage of 400 bucks. Again, do it online, franklinbbqpits.com or to certified dealer. Tell them you want the $400 off the retail discount. Let's go. We're back to wrap the show right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
2: Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpey. All right,
0: welcome back, and we thank you. Ed for joining us last segment. Pelletcooker.com is his website, actually. I had to mention that when we were talking to him. This portion of the show being brought to you by Aladino. I am a huge fan, of course, of Aladino. Jerry Tobacco is the place that's growing all these great tobaccos. I've been doling out the Aladino Classic for sampling. We have a new month of course, in December. So I'll be getting a new box of cigars from Aladino. So if you want to get in on it early, if you're like, hey, I'm a big fan of JRE, love the Aladino line, doesn't matter, whatever they're going to send you, I know I want to try them. Shoot me an email now. We'll start building the queue. And then as soon as I get the new box, I'll send you out a pair. I say always best to smoke a cigar twice so you can make your decision on if you like it or not. Maybe you got a bum run. Maybe they're not holding it right. Who knows? But know this A, you're getting them directly from the manufacturer. They're coming to me. I have a properly running humidor, great environment. So by the time you get them, they're going to be wonderful. And then you can tell me how much you like them or not. Uh, I'm trying blends made with Corojo and Habano right now with the classics, but you know, I love the Reservas, and you can find out more. About all of their products, jretobacco.com to find a retailer near you. And again, if you want to get in line early on the samples for the new cigars this month from Aladino, Jerry Tobacco, shoot me an email, subject line JRE Tobacco, and then we'll make sure that once the new box hits, we'll start sending them out to you so you can try them on. Why not? Sounds great. All right, let's go ahead and get out of here all the way back in the first hour. We had a joint segment. How great was that, by the way? We don't want any segment to overshadow the rest of the show, although hard not to. Malcolm Reed and Heath Ryle in the same segment, talking about everything that's happening in the city of Memphis as we come up to Memphis in May this year. Not this year, 2024. If you missed it, podcast tomorrow, Wednesday. So you can catch up very quickly there. After Malcolm and Heath, Mike Lang showed up for his last quarterly appearance in 2023. He told me he's in for 2024 for quarterly appearances, so we're looking forward to that already. And then the second hour, all Fast Eddie, all the time, the origin story of Ed Morin. Telecooker.com, his website. That podcast Second hour will be out on Thursday. Don't forget the best of this coming Friday has John Mark. Big show playing for you next week. We have another origin story. Tim Shear. The origin story of collegiate basketball player, tallest man in barbecue, Blues Hog, Gateway drum smoker, barble Ridge, beef and pork farm. It's going to be a great origin story. Two weeks Plus Meathead. Plus Robert Moss. Sounds great. How do I always leave you? September 11th, 2001? I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Bye-bye.
2: Sam the cooking guy and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Some call him a fool some even call him a douchebag but I say Greg Rempy is the greatest thing to happen to barbecue since caveman